have them in worship with us as well. So there comes a point in every Hallmark Channel movie, typically about 40 minutes in, that's the formula. I didn't make that part up. Um, where there's a misunderstanding, a change in the relationship. One sees the other with an X and automatically assumes that they're back together and runs with that story. They believe the other took the job over them, backstabbing them, and they run with that story. They quit their job and refuse to answer others' calls. They overhear part of the conversation and they misunderstand completely. And you guessed it, they run with this information and make a lot of ill-informed decisions. <laughs> but never do they talk to the other person. Uh, but miraculously, they will still wind up together in the end because the other person pursues them no matter how bad they are at communicating with other people. And everything suddenly becomes clear or it just doesn't matter. These life-altering moments that just a moment ago kept them from finding true love suddenly don't matter anymore. The misunderstanding storyline isn't just for Hallmark movies. Um, it's a common plot line that you overhear, misunderstand, or, or jump to conclusions and run with a story. It's a storyline that you've created that's often completely devoid of facts. We do it in our own lives with other people. Someone replies to an email, and they don't seem enthusiastic enough, and we wonder if we've upset them. Someone gets mad and responds hastily to something we said, and we automatically assume they're mad at us. They're just an angry person, maybe. Maybe it's not us. It's just them. They're just angry. We think we're experts at reading other people's minds, and some of us are better at that than others. Um, and we're, we think we're good at reading their intentions. But most often we miss the mark and the stories that we create ourselves out of our own issues at the moment, out of our needs, out of our anger, out of our frustration or hurt, we experience a situation and we create a story. We get caught up in our stories about why someone got mad, why someone seems healthy, why someone doesn't have a job, why someone is getting divorced, why someone needs financial help from the government, why someone lives in a certain part of town. Either the really good part or the not so good part. We look at someone, we look at a situation, and we write a whole story about them based off of our own perceptions. And so often we miss the truth. We come up on a scene of two people walking on a road. They're headed to Emmaus from Jerusalem, the next village over. They were among the crowds that witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus. It's assumed they went to Jerusalem for Passover because they seem to have some kind of inside information. There is that moment when Jesus breaks the bread uh, later that their eyes are opened, that they suddenly realize who it is. Um, they've had a few tiring days. They have witnessed a lot of violence. They've witnessed the power of a crowd that can get caught up in an emotion in a moment. Somehow, again, they're in the know about what's happened with Jesus' body that very morning, um, that, he's been, uh, that he, his body was missing. We don't know how connected to the disciples that they are. 
Uh, one we know is named Cleopas, uh, the other is unnamed, which some commentaries say uh, proves that it could be Cleopas's wife uh, that's moving along with him. What we do know is that uh, at the end of the story, they invite Jesus into their house. Um, so that's not really either here or there, but I find it fascinating. They're distraught. They're tired. They're disappointed. We hear their grief and disappointment when they say, we had hoped. All of their hopes and dreams had been dashed. Whatever they had hoped he was going to to be the one to redeem Jerusalem, whatever that meant for them, we know that that's what they were hoping for. They'd been hearing the stories of the prophets all their lives from leaders at the temple, from their families, from the holiday observances like the Passover that they had just celebrated. They knew their current reality, and while we're not sure what kind of redeemer they wanted, they hoped Jesus would be it. They were hoping. And now they're walking on the road, recounting the stories of the last few days, trying to make sense of what they had seen with the stories of of women who had visited the tomb. They're talking about what this will mean for them and their future. They're they're analyzing what went wrong. Maybe maybe what Jesus should have done differently. Maybe what they all should have done differently. Maybe they're complaining about the Roman government, the religious leaders, and, and how they caused all this. And they are so deep in their story. So deep in their story that they suddenly realize that someone is walking with them. Someone they know but don't seem to recognize in this moment. They're so deep in their stories and their dialogue about the death of Jesus that they miss the resurrected Jesus right before them. They're so busy wondering what has happened blaming others, blaming themselves, replaying what they'd heard from Jesus and wondering how they could have gotten it all wrong. And so they miss the living Jesus miracle walking right alongside of them. Jesus asks what they're talking about and they can't believe he hasn't heard. What if the disciples can't recognize Jesus because their opinions are already fully formed? Michael Dinkler, a professor at Yale Divinity School, wrote in her commentary, like all humans, their assumptions shape what they talk about, and what they talk about shapes what they see. Cleopas assumes, one, that Jesus is clueless, and two, that his cluelessness makes him a stranger. And not just a stranger, an outsider, one who does not belong. In Greek, the word for stranger is Parokos, you just go with it. Um, Okos means house. So literally, parokos means outside the house. This is the same word that's usually used for someone who lives in a country without citizenship. Cleopas calls Jesus an immigrant, a foreigner. How often do we too assume that we understand and that others are outsiders who do not belong? Jesus responds, though, by basically shaking his head and telling them they have completely missed the point. They've missed the point of his life, his teachings, the teachings of the prophets. They've missed it all. And he begins teaching them. 
He goes through all of their scriptures. He walks them through the the stories of the prophets and the lives of their ancestors. He teaches them, and still they can't break out of their own stories to recognize Jesus. Perhaps they're piecing things together the whole time. They're, They're working to rethink what they've already known, what they thought to be true. Maybe they're having one of those aha moments that we have sometimes that reshapes your life <laughs> and all, and that's all that they can handle in the moment. But when they reach their town, they invite Jesus into their home. It's getting dark and there's nowhere to go. In fact, they insist that the stranger to them come in and stay and eat. And so as Jesus is breaking the bread, they realize who he is. He did say, you will do this in remembrance of me. I just found that funny this week. That's what we said last week. Jesus broke the bread and said, do this in remembrance of me. And it was at that point that they remembered once he broke the bread in front of them. They realized who this is. And just then, Jesus disappears from their presence. And they can't believe how they missed the point. That they missed that this was Jesus. All along the road, how did we not know? Dr. Dinkler goes on to say, what we talk about matters. When we pay, what we pay attention to grows in reality, in our reality. The stories we tell confirm certain beliefs and not others. How many of us keep telling the same stories in the same ways to those who already agree with us? Jesus' question, what are you discussing, pushes us to pause and pay attention to the stories that we're telling and to the fact that what we discuss shapes what we can and cannot see. Do the things we discuss amongst ourselves and, and the assumptions make when we talk lead us towards Jesus, towards wholeness, away from bitterness, The opposite is, what are we not discussing? To what and whom are we not paying attention? The stories we tell matter. The echo chambers we create matter. In a conference that I was in recently, we were asked to share something that we'd had to give up um, about ourselves, something we'd learned about ourselves in the last year. One minister said, I had to give up seeing myself as the one with all the answers. (laughs) In conversation after conversation these past few weeks, and, and in my own life, I'm hearing that a number of us feel mixed with this great hope we have for the end of a pandemic and this enormous pressure all at the same time. We're telling ourselves stories about how we should have done more, taken up that new hobby, saved more, lost that weight, done more with our families, gotten that extra education, and the list goes on. And with life having been on hold, we're overwhelmed with what's possible now. We're paralyzed to move forward when there are so many possibilities suddenly. When there are so many things that have been put on hold for a year, we feel we need to do all of them to have all the answers right now and figure everything out, and we feel overwhelmed. All of the work things, all of the ministry and church and relationship things that were on hold, now we can move forward, and we don't know where to start. What's the story that you keep telling yourself? 
What keeps playing on a loop that keeps you from seeing reality? Keeps you from seeing who God created you to be? Keeps you from seeing the world? Keeps you from seeing your calling? What are the stories that are rolling around in your head? Maybe they got there honestly. Maybe it was the message you received from parents, from someone you loved, from teachers, but they're not the author of your story. They're keeping you from seeing God. They're distracting you from truth, from God's truth about you and about your place in this world. And let me just take a break to say, not all stories are bad, but they all need to see the light of day to see where they match up with truth. It's also true that the things we're not talking about matters. When we're so caught up in the things that we obsess about, our own stories, we miss the stories of others. We miss Jesus right in front of us. We miss the answers to our deepest desires. We miss the answers to all of our big questions. We miss the work of God in the world. We miss the point of it all. What stories are you not talking about? What are you not curious about? That's what this boils down to. The two on the road to Emmaus, the the characters in every Hallmark movie, and all of us have the same problem. We think we know all of the answers, and so we're not curious. We don't ask questions. We don't have eyes to see what could be possible. We need answers, and so we write a story we're comfortable with. Brene Brown writes in her book, Rising Strong, neuroeconomist Paul Zak has found that hearing a story, a narrative with a beginning, middle, and end, causes our brain to release cortisol and oxytocin. These chemicals trigger the uniquely human abilities to connect, empathize, and make meaning. Story is literally in our DNA. So we are constantly creating stories. We're constantly the two on the road to Emmaus, working out a beginning, middle, and end, and constantly so that we feel comfortable. But what if we got really curious? What if we looked for possibility at every corner? What if we asked questions of other people? What if we gave up the notion that we have to have all the answers? Brown suggests starting conversations with others with the phrase, the story I'm telling myself about this right now is, when we we don't, we seem to be miscommunicating with each other. But first, we need to recognize that we're telling ourselves stories about ourselves, our families, those we love, those we do not even know. Whole populations of people And most of what we're writing is based on only just a little bit of fact and a lot of an assumption. We do not hold out hope that God could be doing more than we could ever imagine. With us, with our church, with those we love, with those we don't even know, with our larger world, it's only when we stop spinning the stories that we have been writing and get up real close to Jesus to know what is really true. Stop writing the stories. Let go of the stories you keep telling yourself about you. Get really curious. And who knows, but Jesus might just join you right where you are. Will you pray with me?
God, thank you that none of our stories are finished. Give us a spirit of curiosity about how you're at work in our lives, how you're at work in our church, in our community, in our world. Give us the discipline of curiosity, of wonder, of childlikeness. God, help us to set aside the stories that we keep spinning and that we keep writing and to get really good at asking questions. Let those questions direct us towards you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We are, I do want to, as we close, kind of set up our sermon series uh, over the next few weeks um, uh, until we get to the end of May. We are walking with the early church mothers and fathers in scripture. We are going back to the beginning um, to see what are the stories that we even tell ourselves about church. Um, Often, as Christians, we are very much about feeling like we have all the answers. And unfortunately, not all the answers are based in what our scripture actually says. And so we're going to go back to those. Back to those first stories as those earliest Christians were figuring things out. Um, We're going to be curious with them and what that means for us today. This summer, um, we are going to do a series on the Enneagram. Um, It is... um, kind of a personality assessment, but not really, but it really gets to the place of trying to understand ourselves and the stories that we tell and why. What's our heart and our spirit behind our actions? What are our motivations? And um, the reality is, I read an article this week that was like, why why all Americans are going to have a French summer? Apparently the French like don't work at all in the summer <laughs> and take lots and lots of vacations. And they were talking about the fact that, you know, as the world is opening up, we're all looking for all those vacations, all those things that we put on hold. And so we know that our attendance is going to be up and down all summer long as people are traveling. People are going to see family that they haven't seen in over a year. People are going to do those vacations they've been putting off for 18 months. That is our reality. Um, We're going to take some vacation finally. Um, But we still want us to be connected to one another. And so with the Enneagram series, it'll be really easy to listen to the podcast or look up worship online um, because we hope that you'll be curious to know about your own, uh, where you fit in the Enneagram and where those people that you interact with the most, how you can more clearly see the world. So our hope is that it's something that unifies us wherever we're at as we learn who we are individually and who we are together. But it also gets to this idea of being really curious about ourselves and how God created us and how we even see God. What are the the lenses through which we see God based out of our personality and how that's different from other people. So we're really excited. Uh, Michael and I have already been working on this and collecting and gathering some things. I think this will be a good time to sort of do something a little bit different. So, um, uh, I just, I want to say, uh, again, because the adults with this little were outside when I said it earlier, we are so happy that you're here. 
that they make noise is fine. It's fine. It's happy noise. It makes us happy to hear it. Um, I had a conversation with a toddler in line at the coffee shop and afterwards, uh, a couple weeks ago over here, up here, um, and um, afterwards the mom thanked me because it was a really long line and, you know, the kid was needed to be entertained and he just kept coming up to me. Um, and afterwards I thought, why is she thanking me? And then I thought, oh, well, you know, that's not, not every adult does that. But also, why does it feel so good to me? And it was like, because I haven't, we don't, we haven't done that. We haven't been around each other. And so we're, we're glad you're here. We're happy with noise. We're good with it. So, um, (laughs) that's awesome. All right, well, um, as we go this week, may you have eyes to be curious, eyes that are curious, a spirit of wonder, and look to see Jesus at work around you. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you so much for being here this morning.